Then we can start talking about never start living it out. Okay? Because religion, as I can find it, is a whole set of things that you need to do to get yourself closer to God. Christianity or following Jesus is all kinds of things that God did to bring you into a relationship with Him. And then when you are fully immersed, not when you're Major identity is, I am a child of God, loved by Him, and saved by Him. Then you can start understanding, well, what's my calling? Now what do I have to do to live out of what He's already done for me? So calling, living a life worthy of your calling. Your calling, then, is to know how much God loves you. That's your main calling. Often we talk about people like me having a calling, I'm called to be a minister, we would say, right? Um, but that sort of specifies in terms of job description or role. We'll get to those in verse 11. But our primary calling is, actually the next two verses of chapter 4, be completely humble and gentle. Everybody's calling. Everyone has a calling. Everyone who follows Jesus has this calling. I think everyone in the world has this calling, whether they understand it or not. Be patient. Bear with one another in love. So, our calling is to know that there's enough messy things about us in our lives that we must be incredibly humble, gentle, and patient, and loving. We aware that we were saved by the incredible love of God for us, and that should translate into I will be as loving and gentle and patient um, with others as I need to. So you'll notice that last week, first Corinthians 12, talks about unity in the body. This week, Ephesians 4, talks about making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Next week, probably Romans 12, is going to talk about that unity as well, so I know this very good. Every time the Bible talks about gifts and our unique abilities, it also talks about unity and humility. Probably intentional. Right? Because the danger of understanding that you have a particular ability to do something that other people don't have is arrogant. It's pride. Well, I'm really good at this, so I'm really important, and might have to be the first on the list of abilities, so I better than have to be. That is actually the temptation. Right? When I think about this stuff, I think you're so often still just children, no matter how old you are, even if you're my age, just children on the playground. And when they see something different in somebody, they want to point it out and take on it and say, hey, that person stands out, they're different, they want to push them away, we want to hurt people in terms of their differences. Every time we recognize uniqueness, we have to also call back to unity. Every single one of these gifts is something that God gave to his body, his people, um, by the gift of Jesus Christ. So, almost one. Then verse seven. But to each one of us, grace has been given. This is his position. It says your grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And again, all through the passages, First Corinthians 12, Romans 12 next week, Ephesians 4 this week, always talk about all these gifts are there, but they're always given just the way the Holy Spirit or Jesus or God wants to give them to you. It's his call, it's his choice. He spreads them out liberally, but he spreads them out according to his decision. Because we get all about the others, recognizing if you have a particular gift, it's because God has given you a particular calling, and you need that gift in order to live out that calling. We call them graces. Grace 
we use some of what they said to see what was going to happen next into the future. And so we sometimes equate prophecy with predicting the future. That's actually a really small part of prophecy. Most often what the prophet did is they said, look backwards. Remember the law that God gave you? Remember the direction that God gave you? Remember the covenants God made with you? Remember the relationship God has with you? Go back to that and live by that, because that will give you a better future. And if you don't live by those rules that He gave you, this is the negative future you're probably going into. Okay, so that's the thing. Prophets then come the purpose of change. Right? They speak into our lives and say, this is what's got to change in order for you to live the life that God has planned for you for this world. Yes, after all, this is the kind of church. 
and for some of you, you call them here to tell us how we need to see them. And you can imagine the nature that they need us to do most of all. We, I believe, all the people might come to lead us in a natural role because we somehow improve, even if we didn't know the language, we that we needed to send those three among us. We need to set somebody free among us who's going to say, you know what? We need to continue to start music. And we can always get to that. We need to continue that journey. I have suggested to the leadership here that one of the things we need to do is plant 30 churches in the next few years. And then plant 30 churches. That would be crazy if you think that we need to build 30 new buildings and have 30 beautiful people, as many of you are members of not you gathered together online or in person as it be. But what if we were ready to plant a 20 in the last couple of weeks and we restarted our small group? What if the purpose of the whole leadership thing of the Apostle Prophet, Evangelist, Shepherd, and Teacher is not just a few miles from the church as well? To prepare God's people, that means y'all, for works of service of very calculated ministry. Right. So there's a couple of words along the way that I've already referred to not to use. One is don't call this room sanctuary, the one I'm sitting in, right? You are the sanctuary. Don't call this building the church. Pastor Mike said that one because we are collectively the church, and wherever we go, we're being the church. And the next one is don't call me a minister. Unless you're also referring to yourself as a minister, it's a much more healthy biblical understanding. So if I'm the minister, then it becomes my job to do these works of service that the APS people are leading us into. But it's my job to be one of the leaders in the APS group, and many of you will test for some of these responsibilities as well. If it's our job to prepare everyone, God's people, for work of ministry, right, then we are all ministers. We have all the opportunity to be We all have the opportunity to be ministering, or as Pastor Mike said a couple weeks ago, we all have the privilege of being missionaries. We're on mission as people doing work to service. It is so essential that the church gets back to the apostolic and prophetic and evangelistic leadership roles first. That when we do shepherding, what we're doing is we shepherd you into a small group of recognizing that as a shepherd, you're going to actually go back and find something new and, and do these works of ministry and engage in all the things that you have been called to do. Purpose of leadership, in short, is to prepare everyone that we can all be ministers of the word in the kingdom in which we live. And that the body of Christ may be built up. Body building. That's all of it. When I coach hockey players, I'm not passing my coach football, hockey, of course. When I coach hockey players, and I make the run deal, they come back and they go, it's hard to determine whether the reason I really wanted to keep going was because what Michael said I was doing and I hated it that that was your turn. Or, this is actually going to help you in the long run. You're going to thank me at the end of a really long, tough, important game when you still have energy because I ran you through drills that built up your body. Right? And so, my privilege in my leadership role among you as your new pastor is to run you through drills, help you learn mental practices, and hear you once in a while saying to me, Pastor, we're really trying. Why are you pushing us? Why do we want to have to change? And I'm going to have to just prevent it. 
like to certainly say, and I have a calling to say what you need to say, and I have a calling to encourage you into the evangelistic opportunities. What else do you need to recognize? We need to be comforted. We need to be encouraged in the places where we also find comfort, encouragement, and strength. And with this, the reason that we are in those communities of support and love and encouragement and strengthening is that we go right back to the mission that we are called to be in the place of living out our calling to be good. Like the body. And so we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. So we know here I mentioned that in our tradition, we have leaders in shepherding and teaching it as the main event. I did mention how I'm doing that in some other things, so I'll talk about it now. As we lead in shepherding and teaching, we have sometimes made it sound like Christianity is about knowing our doctrine, our practices, our truths, our songs, the apostles' creed, those kind of things. And we clearly are not saying that they're bad things to know. Right? But when it talks here in Ephesians 4 about unity in faith, the fact of unity in the faith that we said earlier, you and faith of knowing, I know how loved I am, I know how loved all these people are, and I know that if I dwell in that love, immersing myself in that love, that's going to shape all that I do. Us, 
To him be the glory of the church and the Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul saying, You've got coming at you and living in you through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, the most amazing amount of power and opportunity um, in the world. And that's what's going to give you this security, this whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You can hear, right? You can hear, you put the bar way up here. Right? And I think what they're called to is not go, I'm not living up. I'm never going to make that. But actually, again, in the context of Paul's writing, it calls us to lean on the fact that in Jesus Christ, we are actually a representative. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation, Paul thinks. If you have received and immersed yourself in the love of God that can give you everything that you've done wrong, past, present, and future, then immersing yourself in that. Is being mature. So my definition of maturity is like this: being mature is being deeply aware of how mature you already are. Being functional is being deeply aware of the functions in your life. Right? Because what we're called to do is not fix ourselves and be the best person based on our own strength. What we're called to do is depend on Jesus and His Holy Spirit. Depend on His truth. And so what faith is really then all about is saying, "We're going to lead you through faith." But we recognize I have a long way to go. But in Christ, I'm already going to I will allow it. In Christ, I've already been given all that I need to become what He's calling me to do. You see how that changes our mindset from, shoot, I'm lousy, I've got to work hard, and maybe I'll get there too. I'm already in. Nothing's going to change that. If I'm already in, I'm not going to enjoy this and live into it as fully as I possibly can. So that is you and your soulmate in your in the different places where you can talk about faith. As you talk about your gifts, as you talk about who you are as a community, celebrate what God has already done in you. And now that's finally where this goes. What can we do with that? How can we multiply this? How can we enjoy this? How can we move forward to what He's already done? You know, what else you have is for